to The Real Fix podcast, your fix of real life stories. I'm Hattie Bishop, I'm a journalist, and I help people share their stories with the national newspapers and magazines. Each week, I'll be joined by some of the journalists working on my news desk, who will introduce you to some incredible people telling their remarkable stories. Meet the woman who found herself engaged to a US serial killer. People have come to realise that no matter what people say about us or however people look at it, we're together, we're happy together, we love each other and nothing will ever change that and it's pointless people basically like wasting time and energy, you know, doing all this and saying all these things. And we chat to the woman who reckons she has Britain's clumsiest husband. And I have to say, I think I agree. He says, I'm, I'm going to dismantle your washing machine pipes, he says, because I've got the new washing machine to go in. You know the little valve that you turn off the hot or the cold? He thought it was off. Rubber hoses. The rubber hoses came apart. It gushed everywhere and yeah. uh, that was another one. It so. was like an Egyptian snake dancing around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, remember that. But before that, we're off to Connecticut in the United States to meet Lindsay. She's a mum of four, but not an ordinary wife. She not only lives with her husband, but also her ex-husband and the six children they have between them, a very modern family. It might not suit everyone, but she was determined to keep her young family together when she and her first husband, Chris, got divorced. After meeting Mike and falling in love, the new couple made the incredible decision to move back in with Chris. Olive Loveridge-Green, Lucy Bryant, Harriet Rosegale and myself got them on the line and asked them how it works. I worked at a a movie store uh, where we rented videos, VHS tapes. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) old school. we ran a movie theater nearby and I did some promotional work uh, for the theater. And I got invited to a Halloween party on November 6th to celebrate Halloween after we did our haunted houses and stuff. And he was there. Fab. <laughs> and then you guys went on to get get married, isn't that right? So quick. <laughs> really quick. When I met him, um, I remember I asked him some questions and I said, how old are you? I said I was 28. He said, oh, you're too young for me. <laughs> and I said, oh, that's good because I'm 38. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, good answers. All right. He's and then we found out, yeah, I like, the older guys kind of my thing um i don't like men my age they don't get babies and things that i've been through but with chris um he liked music and all the check marks were there and we got i moved in a a month later and we got married a month after that wow speedy amazing um and obviously you were together for um quite a while and had your two children um but then things after you had Joanne, Joanna, they didn't end as you might have hoped. Is that fair to say? Yeah, very fair. I, I would say we were married for a solid six years. Yeah. And after we had Joey, though, things just changed. Like for me, I think I just kind of lost like any sort of like romanticism. It just kind of felt like we were best friends. Yeah. Roommates sleeping in the same bed. He, you can speak for yourself. He didn't feel that <laughs> way. Yeah, I, I still was you know, deeply in love and I was very confused by the whole matter. But I think over time, um, I came to realize that, you know, it is what it is and we are better off as friends. And that works really well for you guys now, doesn't it? Still the best. Yeah, I worked out really well. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So so when did you come to meet Mike? 
I met Mike in the summer of 2016 at a band, uh, a, a concert, really, that I put together. It was a band called Motley Crue. Um, the lead, lead singer, right? Vince Neil was playing, and I got one of our favorite bands to open for them. I booked the show. I was really heavily into local music. And um, he saw me, I think, from afar, right? You saw me first. Have yeah, I was in the back and I noticed you. I said, how do you know these guys? Because we have mutual friends in the band. Yeah, and I looked at the guitar player and I was like, he's hot. How do I not know this guy? And he plays guitar. Like, why do I not know him? But you had kids and you weren't always out in the bar that I worked in. But we had a lot of mutual friends. And it was like when he was walking away, because I was still like, like technically married at that time. And it was like the, going through the divorce stages. And when he walked away, I was like, what, wait, why is he walking away? Like, it, it didn't, like, he should be with me. Like, Did I just have that. Did you off, Dren? No. <laughs> I should. I, I'm, I'm glad I didn't. I, I was very honest with Chris, and, like, I just didn't want to do that. But um, we did meet up a couple times at, like, open mic nights. I remember I dragged him out one night. I was like, what are you doing? Come, come down. It's just right down the street. I'm like, put your newspapers down. He's he's a little older, but not that. <laughs> he said he was reading magazines that night. I'm like, come hang out with me, really. <laughs> so I guess I had to see him out a little bit. <laughs> so did your your relationship sounds like it very naturally came to be? But obviously, Chris still a huge part of your life, the father of your children. Were you guys just completely honest from the get go? And I guess you had to sort of introduce everybody. I am brutally honest to a fault. So I told Chris everything and then I decided to stay at my mom's for a couple of months and then I ended up having Mike stay with me there for to get to know each other and like um, I was driving back and forth every day and it was just too much and then we tried to get an apartment in Worcester which is very close to here it's like 30 minutes um, but I was crying at night like not being able to see my kids and put them to bed like it, it sometimes on those nights it was just too hard. And luckily, we rented an apartment that was in foreclosure that we did not know about. So it was horrible. So we got kicked out. And um, like the stars aligned and Chris was just like, come on, move in. Let's move just in. do it. And Chris, that's, that's a huge thing to say, to ask your, your ex-wife and her current partner to live under the same roof as you and all of your children all together as one big happy family. Has it been... Yeah, I'm pretty crazy. <laughs> has it been smooth sailing for you? Um, I, it, it was really... It just felt like the right thing to do at the time. And, Chris was sick, too. Uh, yeah, we had a, a child that was sick and... I just felt he needed his mother here as well. And I was just, uh, I just wanted to make it work at whatever cost, you know. It's amazing. And these guys have never even had, like, no. a disagreement, not once. It's so strange. Like That's crazy. It's, it is crazy. Like, I have disagreements with each of them all the time. <laughs> they, they, these yeah. two just get along. So it's just, it just works for us. And the kids, like, even Joanna now, sometimes, like, she'll call him, like, dad even though she knows like this is dad she she knows that she has two and she likes that and he's not jealous and it's just i don't know it's kind of nice and mike did you um did you have any reservations at first about um the ex-husband being around all the time or did it just feel quite seamless 
Oh, of course it felt awkward. I said to him, I, if I were in your shoes, I don't think I could have done the same thing. But everything went a lot smoother than we thought it would. But you had the hardest time with, like, adjusting, I think. Yeah, that's true. I did that. Like, you were uncomfortable. For a while. It never felt like his house, you know, like he was living in another man's house, you know. So that was tough. But we always try to make him feel comfortable. And is that resolved now? So do you feel comfortable now? I do feel comfortable now, yes. I think that's a testament Good to the answer. person. <laughs> making <laughs> sure. Yeah, I just, I just wanted to make sure that it would work and... I mean, I don't have any problems with Mike whatsoever. He's a really good guy and he helps out. So and I guess why it's, not make it work? It's the best of both worlds for everyone. For you guys, you get to, to be around the kids all of the time and they get to have all three of you there all of the time too. So it must yeah. be really positive for you all. Sacrifices we make for all the kids are worth it. Yeah. We didn't want to shuffle them around from house to house. Plus, we were in isolation for two years hmm. when Lucas was sick. So shuffling would have been really hard and they didn't go to school for two years so it was really tough yeah and just um talk about the children there um how did they react initially to it like did they were they just perfectly fine with it took it to like a, a duck to water or was there a bit of a I, bit of a fight? i think i remember lucas saying like um i think he asked questions about like wait so you're not married to dad anymore and now you're married to this guy and I and but they liked him right away because he's he's funny. He makes silly jokes and I don't think they ever had a problem. Really. No, they, they like yeah. accepted. They're very it. very accepting. Yeah, yeah. And they're about, used to us being a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and what about the older children? So Mike, your two kids from a previous relationship, and and Rachel, your daughter, Lindsay. Rachel's a she's she's interesting character. <laughs> she helps us a lot. Um, but she's very uh, sure of like where she wants to go and she just wants to get there, but mm. she's still home helping. So I think she's just in that in-between stage. But she, she doesn't mind Mike being around, but she also doesn't like listen to any of us. <laughs> she's a teenager. <laughs> That's the age. Yeah. <laughs> My children are grown up and on their own already, so we keep in touch. Yeah. You were saying before that it's great to have obviously the three of you to help out, but how do so all of the chores and stuff, I know how do you divvy them up? Does it help sort of make light work of of the housework and stuff? My domain is kind of like our bedroom, the upstairs bathroom, Lucas's room like with the, you know, cleaning and um Chris also helps with that and Chris is on like toy cleanup all day. <laughs> and uh yeah. Mike does the trash. <laughs> and and Mr. Fix It, like things around the house that Chris can't do anymore. Mike <laughs> fixed a couple roof shingles yesterday. And um, Chris is really good with things inside the house. Like he, he tries his best to keep up but with so many kids. All the, all the money stuff and the kids. And we all pitch in. We all, yeah, we all pitch in. And so. I do like all the paperwork, like all admin, the admin, yeah. like everything that's ever needed with doctors, appointments and PDFs to lawyers and you name it through this whole like house sale. It's all been on these shoulders. So and who does the cooking and do you all sit down for like dinner together, like one big family? <laughs> we try, but with this, it doesn't, kids, it happen. doesn't happen all the time. Really. Uh, Lucas and Joanna do not eat food that we cook unless it's like I don't know. Okay. Occasionally, Joanna will do some yeah. table foods. She likes tacos. Yeah, they're so <laughs> picky. Like I think with Lucas having autism, he only eats like. 
10 specific things. So sometimes we'll all sit together, but we'll all be eating different things and our table's not big enough. So sometimes we're in the living room and sometimes Mike and I eat upstairs with Harrison because it's just easier, mm-hmm. but it's a lot of pizza, a lot of pizza. Right. So we're hoping in the, in the new home that we'll cook more because right. the kitchen is huge and so beautiful. So it sounds like it's going swimmingly. Um, what happens when there's like an argument? Like, do you guys ever like gang up on Lindsay at all? Or like, how's it going to work out there? We like to tease her. Yeah, we do tease her. I get so mad and, and they basically poke fun at me when I get mad and, you know. It's easier to laugh about things than to argue about things. Yeah, I tend to get mad just because I'm so anxious. So mm. I'll get, like, I'm Italian, so I... I get like very heated. Talking with a hand. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I'm I'm the hardest one to deal with probably because I'm always telling them what to do and they don't want to be told. But if nobody tells them, nothing gets done. It's like it's like being Chris Jenner. Almost. <laughs> you know? Mama Jack. Mama Jack. Yeah, I love it. So with the new house, are you guys all kind of chipping in for that house? Is it going to be owned by the three of you? Yes. Yeah. It's amazing that it must work so well that actually, you know, you could go your separate ways and live close by to each other, but actually you're making this choice to all stay together. It's amazing. We're all agreed to make long-term plans as a family, so yeah, we make it work. Yeah. My mother passed away in August um, unexpectedly. Okay. and Yeah, it was so hard and so unexpected but mike flipped her condo for me i couldn't even go there it was just it was too much um and i never thought that i would ever receive any money and i I just like the thought of that even happening just wasn't even on your mind no Mm. and to think about moving because of her it hurts almost because i wouldn't want that to be the reason but in a way i guess i it's like a gift and we did talk about we could split and we could have our own space. We could buy a small home, um, but we do want to stay together and we want to get out of New England. We're tired of the cold, wet, dark gloominess. We need to it's cold England for a reason. <laughs> right. I love the rain. I love it. Oh, you uh, would love it here yeah. then, every, every day for a week. I would, I would truly love it. And they're moving me into the middle of the desert. Wow. <laughs> and how, but, how would you feel if um, Chris met someone and then would you welcome another person into the house and into your lives? I hope we find him somebody. It's like my, I feel like it's my my duty, like I need to find him someone. She'd have to be the right fit to put up with all the kids. Yeah, yeah. she needs to cook and she needs to like special needs kids. <laughs> I mean, she's, she's not just putting up with Chris, she's putting up with all of you, isn't she? That's true. So, yeah. Right. yeah, I think that if the right fit happens, I would love it for Chris. You know, he deserves it. And we have more room now in the new house. So Would you say that everyone that comes here is comfortable though? I would think so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We, we make yeah. everybody kind of, we're always joking and we're, we're very laid back people. We're kind of like half hippies. Um, I say half because I think they expect more from us. <laughs> uh, we've just been through so much that adding another person at this point would be easy. I think. Yeah. As long as it was the right fit. Yeah. yeah. Then it would be helpful. Yeah. Especially if she cooks. Is there one piece of advice that you would, you would give to someone who thinks that maybe this is something they'd like to try? I mean, if they were willing to, you have one mortgage, one set of bills, and your kids all have their moms and dads. 
Yeah. I guess if there's fighting, don't do it. But but on, on the plus side, we're older, and that's why I think it works. If, yeah. we, if we were in our 20s, I don't think we Yeah, probably not. Work. No. Yeah, we're more mature, I think. You know, we can make it happen. Yeah, and I've noticed even online talking, like, since we kind of got some sort of crazy following, um, we've <laughs> gotten messages and things like that. Um, and people ask us, you know, how does that work? And oh, I wish we could do that. And mm-hmm. it seems to be a little bit more accepted now and people just don't talk about it. But I think there's more people that do it than you realize. We're just very open about it. Yeah, which is so great. And thank you so much for being so open with us today. Like, we really appreciate it. You're so fun to talk yeah. to. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Super yeah, fun. Thank great. you so much. And Best good luck. luck with the move. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. 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 Thanks, guys. Bye. There you go, just another great story brought to you by the team here at Real Fix. Now, if you want to have your say, head over to the Real Fix Facebook page where plenty of women are getting involved with their own opinions. Just search for us online. You're listening to the Real Fix podcast and you're very welcome. Please give us a five-star review. Still to come, could we have found the clumsiest man in the world? He had melted the fridge, and I says, what happened? You know, it was all melted, all the little drawer and everything. Well, he says, well, I put a two-bar electric fire inside it, you know, it would quicken it up to melt ice, you know, the ice. <laughs> I left it in and forgot about it when I had headphones on listening to music and melted the whole thing. <laughs> but before that, we're off to Yorkshire to meet the woman who we can honestly say not only went the extra mile, but will be going an extra 4,000 miles in the search for love. Meet Divorce Tracy, who has found herself engaged to serial killer Otto Smith. Now, Otto is currently serving a life sentence in an Ohio prison for a double murder in 2005. Starting off as pen pals, the pair hit it off in 2018, and despite him telling her all the gory details of his crimes, she found herself falling head over heels, and they now plan to get hitched. Here's a recording of Otto leaving a voice message for Tracy. Take a listen. Please, you got to figure out a way for me to bury it. It's possible that it was hard. Thank you. You make me a very happy person. More happy than I've been in years. You're crazy just like me, so we should be married. What do you think? Hey, Trey. I hope you get this. I just uh, sent you one the other day, but I don't know if you got it. But anyways, I got to let me out here so I can send you some emails. So you're not waiting a week. Uh, otherwise, there's a big time thing. But thank you for writing it. I really appreciate it. I hope to hear more from you. I really do. Smile for me. Just a little bit. Just a little bit of smile. Okay. Just a little bit. All right. You made me smile. Thank you. Okay, I'll talk to you later. Now, Charlotte Penkith-King spoke to Tracy about what exactly made her fall for a man serving life for killing two people. Originally, it was actually a friend and she met her man um, through a prison pen pal site. Okay. She knew that I'd sort of like broken up from a marriage, but I'd been on my own for quite a long time. I hadn't had much luck. Obviously, I was feeling lonely. Might want somebody to talk to, meet some new friends, and I was quite isolated. So she gave me the website address and basically says, have you ever thought of having a look at a few of these? And her and her man obviously got close. They were together like, they've been together just over two years now, and they're planning on getting married. And so obviously that's when I was browsing and banged into Otto's (laughs) profile. So. 
Yeah. Yeah. And what, what was it about Otto's profile that made you message him? Um, it's actually been through a lot of stuff pretty much similar to me as a child. He'd been through, like, a lot of um, mental health issues. He'd had abuse as a child. He got bullied a lot. And we sort of, like, basically just started talking normally. And then as time went along, we sort of basically just started getting close and trusting each other more to feel secure, you know, to start letting a bit more out of his lives and what we've been through and how we're connected and just... It went built up from there, basically. <laughs> yeah. And what so, was it about Otto that made you fall for him then? I loved his sense of humour. Um, I like how he was honest with me. Everything he told me about himself, his background, why he was incarcerated, all that stuff. Um, I did, like, check up on a few things and everything that he told me or he was telling me he was always honest with me all the time. He never lied to me about anything. Uh, basically, we've just been there for each other and not asked each other for anything apart from just the friendship and being together and just building on that. And that's mm. why we got so close over the time. And obviously now we've done all this stuff. So Yeah, but, yeah. And um, um, he has openly told you about his crimes and the fact that he's killed people. Uh, does that not frighten you at all? Or at first, um, I sort of like had slight intuitions, you know, as in, um, you know, these things could happen to me. He's he's killed these other people. But as we were going on, I mean, he got me in touch with, like, a few members of his family, and they were explaining that deep down he did have problems in the past, but he's never literally gone out of his way to physically hurt somebody. And the reason why it happened is obviously he got involved in a crime originally that he didn't want to be involved with, and the crime went a little bit too far, and the outcome was a little bit, well, a lot more worse, obviously, than what it should have been, because obviously people's lives were taken, but he's never, ever gone out of his way to hurt anybody else, like local friends or family or anybody like that. It was just when things that happened, the people that were involved were part of the crime and where the crime took place but it's never in his thoughts or mind ever had any thoughts or intentions of literally going out to hurt somebody purposely mm -hmm. it was just because of the involvement with the crime why these murders happened but apart from that his family have already said deep down and with his background he'd always been a great guy before that you know he had a good family he's been married before he's had kids of his own so obviously like I say over time we've just built up that trust now and I don't feel scared in that sense of him does, does it feel strange knowing that the person that you love has hurt people, though? Does, does that feel weird? To be fair, yeah, it feels a bit strange. And, yeah, I still sometimes have, like, odd comments made to me by people saying, you're silly, you must be stupid being with somebody like that. But in another sense also, I just say to them, yeah, it's strange at first and what he's done was obviously not right. But another way I see it also is the fact that I'm not the only lady that's in this type of relationship. I mean, there's like hundreds, thousands, maybe other women all across America and everywhere. <laughs> first, as we know from before, I was getting quite a lot of abuse, like through paper reports, people been saying, going on about saying being deluded, silly. Um, 
but since all that, people have come to realise that no matter what people say about us or however people look at it, we're together, we're happy together, we love each other and nothing will ever change that and it's pointless people basically like wasting time and energy, you know, doing all this and saying all these things and I've actually met quite a lot of friends and people that do actually like me since then who do actually talk to me more now, I mean... I've got loads of friends of ladies that have very similar situations and all sorts that are actually really nice people. And obviously I've got a bigger family now because I'm starting to get in touch with aunties, uncles, everybody on his side, and as my family are all talking to him. So, I mean, mm. I've got a lot more backup and, you know, like yeah. a lot has happened since that time. It's not as negative anymore. Everybody knows me now that I'm with him and nobody bothers me anymore and just get on with it. Yeah. So... How is it having a relationship with somebody who's in prison? Obviously, you can't see each other whenever you want, so... Well, all we can do is... Um, he isn't actually... Life without parole, he has actually got a parole date, and, yeah, it is a long way off yet, but um, we love each other. We feel like we've got that strong bond to keep it going. Yeah, it's really, really hard not being able to physically be there and have that commitment in that sense. Um, we have, like, as... Um, written letters, videograms through JP, mailing all usual stuff, the video visits. And um, obviously, because of how close we are, as phone calls are pretty, pretty, pretty nice phone calls. And obviously, letters and written stuff, and we've got our own ways of like showing our love to each other. But in the other department, the physical side of things. Yeah, I know it's always important in a relationship, but that's not the only thing in a relationship. I mean, before I met him, I was single for four years. So if I can go four years and I haven't had, like, any problems that way, I know he's there, I know he loves me, I love him. And no matter what happens, I'll stand by him, no matter what it costs. Mm. I'm not going nowhere, he's not going nowhere. We just make do with the time that we've got and whatever facilities obviously available yeah. to stay in touch. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and what what did you think when he asked you to marry him then? Shocked, excited, frightened a little bit at first, wondering what obviously people were going to think or say, the comments we were going to get and how it would all work, obviously, with all like, your legal issues involved, being in different countries, all that. That were all these complications and things, obviously, we'd looked into and it is going to be a lot of like work but obviously with all the help we're going to have from like as families now that everybody's getting used to each other and the note situation hopefully it's going to start to make things a little bit easier for us I mean obviously I was originally supposed to be going to go out for a visit but I had a few problems at home and a close family loss obviously I didn't actually manage to get out for the main visit so obviously that's when we did that thing. Um, yeah, it was it was the Valentine's weekend. Um, we actually um, did a commitment ceremony. Um, a lady came here who over here to do like non-legal marriages. You know, like for example, if somebody's wanting to be with somebody but they've got legal reasons why they can't or other complications. Um, we had it all set up on, like, loudspeaker, you know, like a Bluetooth speaker on my phone, and the lady did the ceremony for us. We both wrote our own vows, read them to each other, obviously, to sort out my own rings. But, yeah, um, he's actually ordered a plain band through the church at the 
prison because he goes to like he gets taken to the church services in prison and obviously they are allowed certain items of jewelry and because they said it was for religious reasons at the church they can they can have a plain ring and they can also have like a cross so he's ordered a plain ring that he's going to use for <laughs> our ring and we got like a certificate i had loads of photos doing got myself all dressed up it felt pretty real to us even though we didn't have that physical yeah so obviously we see each other as husband and wife now and i actually did um have my name changed to his surname legally because obviously that made us feel even closer and make us even more like we were married yeah and i'm more happy with that and so is he so that's enough for us to know how close we are until we can actually finally get to do the real <laughs> real thing. Yeah. What are your hopes for the future then? Um, you're planning to go out and visit him and what you, you want to have, like a, a legal wedding well, ceremony? To be honest with you, yeah, we want to have a proper legal wedding at the prison, but until we can get things actually sorted out properly, I've actually got an auntie who lives in Montreal in Canada, and uh, because obviously they're family and they live out there, they're actually now they work they've got their own business and they earn sort of quite a bit and they know about Otto and she's got him on her JP and email regular does me auntie out in Canada and they're actually looking into it to see how they could help to get me over there and even if it means me staying with them for a while, even if it's Canada it's still a lot closer yeah. and easier for things than what it has been all the way over here, you know, for travelling and yeah. things. So we're all looking into that at the minute. We're not sure of anything. We can't say exactly what's gonna happen. You can't help who you fall in love with, no matter what the circumstances, just because it is a situation like that, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are deluded and you've got mental health issues. I mean, like I say, I'm not the only lady in this world that's in them type of relationships. And obviously there's a lot that are inferred, like the similar sort of crimes, murder, robbery, all the usual things. And obviously just because I'm in a relationship with him doesn't make me any worse than any the probably hundreds of other ladies that are in them type of relationships. And so just basically I just want to, keep my friends, my family, know people support us and know that we're together no matter what. We're, like, we're for life, basically. Anyway, it just goes to show that love really can overcome anything, even the most heinous of crimes. If you want to hear more, please click subscribe or follow on your favourite podcast platform. Next, I think you'll like this one. I'd like to introduce you to Debbie. Her husband, Craig, has blown up their oven 10 times and he's crashed their car into a restaurant when he knocked the handbrake. He always means well, even when he defrosted their freezer with a fire, melting it into a pool of plastic, or when he overfilled her car with oil until it exploded. He's broken TVs, flooded their bathroom, painted their bedroom the wrong colour and sliced their sofa in half. The list is endless. Katie Pearson and Harriet Rosegale joined me in the studio to speak to the couple and find out why she puts up with him. Well, I suppose it's when he moved in with me and uh, then it just like started to sort of spiral sort of from the time he says, can I use your iron to iron something? And I thought he was going to get the iron board out. And what did he do? He started ironing on the carpet. And um, he left the iron and he left, 
He says, oh, I'm really sorry, he says, he says, I've left an iron mark on your carpet and it melted into the, the actual <laughs> oh carpet God. and the shape. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't none too happy about it. So <laughs> I was surprised. <laughs> yeah. That, to be honest, I didn't think the iron was going to go through the carpet when I think <laughs> Because I thought, some people, they, they stick a towel on an iron board, so I thought, well... Look at the carpet as another towel and just iron the way. Oh, wouldn't be doing that again. You live in land, don't you? <laughs> the thing is with Craig is um, he cuts corners all the time yeah. and he wants things done really quickly. And that was probably one of them. Yeah, ah, I see. And do you want to talk us through some of the other stuff that he's done as well? Yes, he's flooded me out twice. Um, the sink... He leaned against the sink in the bathroom and he was chatting away at the time. And of course that fell to the ground and the whole of the water gushed out the pipe, you know, underneath. And uh, I wasn't too happy about that. Yeah. And then the other time he says, I'm, I'm going to dismantle your washing machine pipes, he says, because I've got the new washing machine to go in. And I says, oh, great. I turned it off. And... Well, you know, the little valve that you turn off the hot or the cold, you know, underneath yeah. your sink? Well, of course, he broke the actual valve, oh you know, say the cold one, and he didn't tell me. He, he didn't tell me a thing about it. <laughs> kept quiet about it. He thought it was off. And, um, of course, when the, the pipes, you know, like the wee... Um, rubber which, hoses. The rubber hoses came apart. It gushed everywhere, and yeah. uh, that was another one. It so. was like an Egyptian snake dancing in the <laughs> oh, oh, I remember that. Oh, my goodness. You know, I had my work to go to, and I had about half an hour to get to my work, and um, I knew that I was, was never going to make my work because yeah. the whole place, it was like a snake, and I was just like, where am I going to put this water? You know, it was gushing everywhere. I couldn't put doing sinks or anything. Oh, so we got lots of pails and eventually they stopped cock. So we go off. Yeah, but the new carpet was ruined, so that's another carpet. Everything away. was ruined, oh, yeah. No. An carpet, flooded carpet. I don't know how many more. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, can you tell us what happened with the new sofa as well? That was another time when something yes. went wrong. Yeah. I remember that. Well... <laughs> I'd waited a little bit for the sofa, you know, how it takes a few weeks and that. Well, oh, my lovely sofa just had just been delivered through the door. And, of course, Craig says, well, can I open up all the cardboard and all the plastic? And the delivery men were just standing there watching him. So he goes away and he slits it, you know, with a sharp implement and of course the foam all started coming out and it was like I just didn't know where to look and the man says we can't take it back and uh, he says it's okay we'll just sew it or something you know so and eventually he did sew it by the way oh, <laughs> and how did you yeah, react when you saw it it's so it horrible it was like it was like a volcano um, you know all the oh. stuff coming out and uh when I was sewing it, I was trying to push everything inside it. Yes. It eventually looked like Frankenstein's monster if he was a couch, you know. <laughs> <laughs> a mess. A mess. Um, so, yeah, would you say the incidents have gotten better? Like, is he learning his lessons or is the, are things oh. getting worse as, as you go on? <laughs> no, I think everything's just got worse. He's ruined <laughs> beds, cars. In fact, we went to a theatre 
and he took an expensive camera. And you know how you've got these seats that go, you know, when you get up, they go back the way. Yeah. Well, he had jammed the camera down to his side, you know, for when he needed to take photographs and things. And, of course, he got up and we heard a crack. And, of course, the, the, the lens of the camera was broken. So that was that. That was another incident. And that was just not too long ago. So it's not just yeah, things went, in the home. It's everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. I, I go to the men's bathroom and I've took the hand dryer off the wall by oh, accident. God. <laughs> that, that's true. That's, I've got a picture of that, actually. So. Oh, and there's the time he melted the fridge. Oh, yeah. Tell us what happened there. Well, I went to work. And then when I come back... The whole place was smelling of plastic. And, of course, I knew he had been up to something. So I, it led me into the kitchen, you know, the smell, obviously, you know, the plastic. And it's to my amazement, he had melted the fridge. And I says, what happened? You know, it was all melted, all the little drawer and everything onto the onto the yeah, lino. And he says, well, he says, well, I put a two-bar electric fire inside it. You know, it would quicken it up to melt ice, you know, the ice. <laughs> So, oh dear! I left it in and forgot about it when I had headphones on, listening to music, and melted the whole thing. Oh. It was like something out of Ghostbusters on the floor. And the cooker, of yeah, course. Yeah, tell us about the cooker. Yes, the cooker. Well, you guys probably know that by now Craig is colour blind. You know, he's yeah, colourblind. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But at the time, at the time, well, of course, he's like wiring up all the wires and everything, yeah. and he kept tripping the wire and blowing everything, and the cooker's making banging noises and everything, and oh, everything was going crazy that day. And um, I had to phone an electrician up, and I says, it's about the 10th or the 11th time he's blew this cooker up, yeah. I says. <laughs> and he says, oh, my goodness, he says. And he... He ran through the wire colours with me and I, then I says, yes, that's what he's been doing wrong. And then you says, oh, I'm colourblind, by the way. And the man says, he said, what? Because you could hear him. And I says, he says he's colourblind. He says, oh, my goodness, I'd get rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> you do sound very patient, well, Debbie. Bit, yeah, yeah, I blew up against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness me. Um... Can you, yeah, another time, can you tell us what happened when you asked Craig to redecorate the bedroom? Oh, Craig, <laughs> do you remember that? When I say it's about the colours, colour yeah. blind comes into this again. Right. I say, so I want my bedroom a nice creamy colour, you know, nice kind of colour. Well, when I went through, it was a shocking pink, an actual shocking pink, you know, like a flamingo pink, <laughs> if you can imagine. Oh, wow. And then... Um, the worst thing was, he also got paint on the side of the bed and he had scrubbed all the bed with a wire brush and they dripped a big hole through it, you know, right through the material of the side of the, the, the bed. And uh, everything, he's like, you were like Frank Spencer then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tried to put over, you know, the the cover from the bed right over the part where he was I, trying to hide it where I made a hole, but then when she went in the drawer for a towel, she said, what's this? <laughs> <laughs> So it was a mess, you know. Yeah, everything's a mess. And then I, I tried to make it right by putting wallpaper up and I mismatched that at the same time as well. So that went crazy as well. So, so you're banned, yeah. banned from decorating and doing any DIY or anything. And so, yeah. and I guess this clumsiness, it doesn't just stay within your home, does it? Do you get in trouble when you're out and about? Because I heard about um, a bit of an incident with the car on one occasion. 
Yeah. Yes, the car. I says, I haven't got time to put any oil into the car. And I presumed it was going to be straightforward. It wasn't. Not with him, of course. No. Because <laughs> he overflowed the whole lot of the oil and put the cap back on. And the oil was all over the engine. So I'm driving away, none the wiser, going to work. And smoked the whole street out. I hear this banging noises and then my car come to a halt and that was it the car was just ruined after that so that was one time and another time i rolled into a mcdonald's drive through wall as well so how yes. did you manage that i changed the cd knocked a handbrake off and I, I said to the to the boys at the back they were about two and three year old if yeah. you're lucky I said, how do you stop this? As if they're going to answer me. <laughs> well, he's in the passenger seat and I had nipped away to McDonald's to use their loo before we were going yeah. to order up. And I came back. My car wasn't where I parked it. And, of course, <laughs> it went into the McDonald's wall, you know, the little square wall. Oh, God, and no. then all I heard was, we're over here. The boys were shouting, you know, mum, we're over here sort of thing. And I was like, <laughs> oh, so it must be quite um, expensive for you, you know, you've had all these things ruined. It's probably cost you yes. quite a bit over the years, is that right? Yes, thousands. <laughs> Honestly, thousands of pounds, yeah. I see a court case coming on here, what are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> it's probably tested your patience as well, Debbie. There must have been times where you would have thought, oh, it'd be easier to get rid of him. Well, it would have been easier... <laughs> She thinks I'm quite funny, but there's a lot of expense to think someone's quite funny. He's <laughs> quite lucky because he, he makes me laugh and everything. So it's like I, I seem to sort of forget about it all Aww, after a while. Yeah. You know, but See it's, the funny it's always side. in the back of your mind, you know, what is he going to do next? You know, sort of thing. But she does shout, such as today. It was only uh, taking my time. <laughs> Taking my time getting dressed in the bedroom, she said, "What are you doing? What's going on through there?" And she'd come running through to see what I was doing. <laughs> Trust you on your own Just now. Checking up. <laughs> I'm guessing. Um, have you have you stopped him doing anything around the house now? Has there been a point where you're like, no more DIY? Well, well. Saying that, <laughs> it wasn't do DIY, right? What it was, I'll tell you the truth. What it was, he said, "Well, I need to change a bulb." Right? Yeah. And so he goes away and he unscrews the bulb, you know, from the chandelier. And then he said, he's standing there with the bulb. And I says, right, have you got another bulb to go in there? And he says, oh, I haven't checked. I says, well, why did you unscrew it? Show me it if you didn't have another one to put in. So he has silly things like that. He just yeah. doesn't think. And then I took one out the bedroom lamp, and then she said, "Now what are we going to see in the bedroom now? Because you've taken it out the the lampshade of the bedroom lamp. So what are we going to do now?" <laughs> it's just things. So I have to go. Think, I have yeah. to go and get new bulbs, but I'm not allowed to screw them in. I'm afraid so. <laughs> <laughs> and so, are you just always wondering, like, what the next thing's going to be, um, Debbie? Is that something that's always in the back of your mind? Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> example that I can't have them booking anything up, you know, like train tickets and things, right. because the train ticket, he was supposed to be like um, booking us down to Blackpool one time, and the weekend, it ended, yeah, for the weekend, yeah. and it ended up the train ticket was bringing us back just hours later. Yeah. So I wasn't happy about that uh, one. Very short. So now and a half, we arrived. <laughs> 
with enough time to go for with enough time to go for a Costa coffee. No, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> put your head out back on. <laughs> Did you hear about the one when I had um, broke my leg? Oh no! no. What Talk happened? That. No. <clears throat> well, when I had broke my leg, I went down some stairs and I got a pin in my leg. And um, then I had to sleep downstairs in the house, you know, so we put a mattress down there and that. He, he slept beside me rather than going upstairs. The toilet was up the stairs, so she had to get one of these, you know, these little wheel toilets up on <laughs> Commodes, yeah. I think they're called. Yes, yeah. yes. So I had to use kind of one of these, right? So I, had a so, few, I had a few beers, that's what happened. And I said, it's all right if I use your commode. <laughs> Same me going up the stairs. He gets up in the dark and he stood right on my stitches and my leg oh. and everything. And I heard the leg crack. Oh. And, yeah, I know. Yeah. It's kind of things like that, you know, that you want to scream at them. That's the quickest. Yeah. That's, yeah. The, that's the quickest time that I've ever sobered up. Oh, One second. I thought you were going to say you like weed in a vase or something. Not that like, you nearly yeah. broke her leg again. <laughs> I had my flip-flops on one time when I was in Blackpool and they pulled the fire door right over my flip-flops and ripped my, my nail off my toe oh, and everything. Oh, God. Yeah, ruined my holiday that one. Yeah, no, I see you. I see you're laughing there, but I had the cheek to have it in a bit of tissue and carry it around with me to see. Oh, it's not so you can glue it back on, is it, really? <laughs> <laughs> Only I would try that. <laughs> well, thank you so much for um, for coming yeah. on our podcast. You've been you've definitely been our funniest you've guest so far. Been a good laugh. We've really loved it. <laughs> we'll let you get back it's to it. Just, just yeah. be very careful, Debbie. Yeah, be careful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks, Craig. Debbie and the very lovable but clumsy Craig. There, I hope they made you smile. And that's it for this episode of The Real Fix Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, please, please leave a review and give us five stars. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, you can read more of our stories on our website, real-fix.com. And do follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Real Fix UK. If you've got a story for us, please don't hesitate to get in touch. See you next time. Bye.